Hey everybody, uh, welcome to episode 17 of Making It, which is crazy to me. I'm Bob Claggett, I'm here with Jimmy DiResta and David Picciuto. Thanks for being oh. with us. Uh, we're recording in the middle of the afternoon for the first time, which is kind of weird. We usually record at night, so. Sober. Yeah, yeah, sober, and we'll, we'll see how this goes. See if it changes. <laughs> but, uh, so if you guys listen to the show on iTunes, go on there and leave us a review and a rating. That helps us get up uh, in the, the charts there, which gets us in front of more people and maybe gets us some sponsors. That would be awesome. So um, go over there and leave us that. Plus, we read every single one of those reviews. And it's really helpful to hear um, the good and the bad. Actually, I'm interrupting. I'm going off script here. But we had a review the other day that was negative. And I read it. And... I, although I didn't agree with the guy, I really appreciated the fact that he wrote the review and said what he really thought about it. The interesting thing about it was that he was disappointed because this show didn't, it wasn't like one of the other popular woodworking podcasts. <laughs> and the thing that was interesting about that was because I totally understood what he was wanting, and that's not what we're doing, you know, and, which is perfectly fine. I mean, everybody's doing different stuff for good reason. But it was really cool to hear that, even though it was negative, um, just because it made me, you know, maybe feel like we're doing our own thing. We're standing out against, uh, not against, apart from the other podcast. So anyway, so all that to say, we do read the reviews. We appreciate them. So go there and and leave us one. Um, before we get rolling, I want to say thank you to Nicholas Gomez, Luis Gonzalez, Matthew Dickinson, Rick Rhodes, and a new patron Patreon supporter, Chris Kopp. You guys are the best. And, Thank you. Uh, we really, Thank you, guys. Appreciate really appreciate the support. So, yeah, that's about it. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash making it. That's a great way to do it. Um, and we really appreciate all the support we get there. So, what's everybody working on? David? I just finished up two videos for Highland Woodworking. Uh, this will go on their channel. Basically, one is a product tour of the micro jig gripper block system. And then another one was for the Festool multi tool that uh, they recently put out or put out in the past year or so. So I, I made those two videos and I'm working on my book. So I'm, I'm trying to finish up these commitments that I have to other people so I can get back to some good old woodworking on my own channel. That's me. Uh, this is Jimmy. What I'm doing is I'm trying to finish up my distillery model, which is lots of little details at this point, and it's not quite as many details as I wanted to have in it, but uh, it's all coming together. Actually, it's looking pretty good. So there's lots of little pipe connections and, and uh, signage, all these little things I'm kind of finalizing. I'm going to pack it in the truck. If this airs Friday morning, I will have packed it in the truck, and I will be in the truck on the way to Louisville, Kentucky for the week. So I will be in Louisville, Kentucky from uh, this Friday the 17th for about a week and uh, dealing with some stuff at Bullet Bourbon Distillery. And then uh, I finished up a video this week. I don't know when it'll be published, but I did a video uh, for, so I guess it's like you can call it a commercial for True Fuel. Kind of came out kind of cool. Spring cleaning, starting up all my motors with True Fuel and chopping down a tree and making it into a bench. So I kind of teased that a little bit on Instagram. And uh yeah, that's it. Just uh, oh, and then by the way, I uh, I don't think I told you guys yet. I just signed a book deal with Make Magazine. I'm making a book. It's gonna right be on. Yeah, several. Great. Thank you. Yeah, so I spoke with John, my co-author on that. He's going to handle all the uh, the writing, and I'm going to handle obviously all the projects and the videos that are going to accompany the book slowly. And actually, we just discussed the the sign video that I put out this week, where I make that the bite the Brompton 
cafe sign. That's going to be in the metal, one of the metal projects. So we're going to include that in the book. So I'll do kind of an intimate detail uh, description of each one of the projects. So we were just discussing some of the, uh, the concepts in that. That's very, awesome. Very cool. Look yeah, forward so, to that. Yeah, so <laughs> i got a lot of work ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> work is good. Yeah. Yeah. So with the, uh, the model that you're doing for the distillery, I've seen a lot of copper you know, on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. Is the whole thing copper? No, no. Actually, the, the only copper is the still and the condenser, which is like usually like the crown jewel of any sort of distillery process. Mm. And um, I made a couple of things. Like you notice some of the stuff I made in my Instagram. Dave Welder actually remade a couple of things. So Dave grew up in a sheet metal shop. So I made some stuff in my, in my upstate shop. And when I brought it to the city Monday, Dave looked at it and he goes, I could do better than that. I was like, go for it. <laughs> Seriously, he really killed it. He did some, it's, so you'll see in the video, Dave hammering out some of these domes and some of these, like there's a bulge in the, in the main uh, pot still that I made. If you see it on Instagram, it looks horrible. Dave actually did a much better job. And so all the pieces together look great you know so i was kind of judging each little section at a time and kind of nitpicking but when you put it all together you know the big picture is is really what they're buying so it looks good all the 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 tanks and all the different segments are all basically steel welded up to look like um you know just kind of like farm equipment like farm like processing you know everyone says what are you making a meth lab it's like the first joke everybody says when they come to the shop but (laughs) um (laughs) the still and the condenser are typically made in copper or brass. And so we made it in copper at, at their request. And uh, like I said, all the parts are coming together finally. And oh, the copper in the beginning of the model too is also it shows where the grain, the barley, the wheat, the corn all mix into the... So that's that one picture of me on Instagram holding something looks like a machine gun. Now, um, did you know the process beforehand? The I mean, the distillery process? Or did you kind of learn this while making this model? No, no, I learned it. I learned it. Uh, they called me. This project actually started more than almost two years ago, uh, the concept of this project. And that was the very first consultation I started having with them about the distillery in Louisville was to make this. And then this got put on the sideline. And then we ended up doing all kinds of other projects. And so now that the whole room is prepared or the, the walkthrough tour is prepared, they wanted this as well. So they came back to this. And so at the very beginning, I was really learning the beginning of two years ago when I started talking to them about all this, I was really learning the, the process and going through. And then also just being associated with, with all these guys in this business, they're, they're constantly talking about it and looking at it. And so, you know, you learn by osmosis. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I definitely learned, you know, since I got to know these guys. And it's fairly simple. You just, you know, you put the stuff together, you ferment it, cook it, and drink it, basically. <laughs> you can either drink it straight away, which is moonshine or white dog, as they call it. Or if you age it in barrels, that's when it becomes that caramel color. If you don't age it, it's called moonshine. If you age it, it'd be called, it's called whiskey or bourbon. So, hmm. When uh, we were in Kentucky a couple years ago and we got to visit the Jim Beam distillery, they, all the trees around the distillery are black. And I remember telling this story somewhere, but I don't know if I told it on the podcast, but the trees grow this fungus from the sugars that are released during the process. Um, and, uh, and and it's really cool because when we, when we when we arrived, we're like, why are all these trees black? And they while doing the tour, they gave us the explanation. And they said many years ago, that's how they used to catch the illegal moonshiners is they would look for the black trees, and that's yeah. where they were making the moonshine to catch these guys. Yeah, distillery mold. That's what it's lately been called. That's crazy. I I grew up in Kentucky in that area, right? I'm like 20 minutes from that. 
and I've never heard that story before. <laughs> <laughs> Are you familiar with Distillery Mall? Have you seen it? No. It's on houses. It, it, it forms on houses and everything, yeah. It's, no, it's I mean, uh, uh, the county I grew up in was a dry county, and so it wasn't any of it right around us, but Bard, yeah. Bardstown, which is pretty close. Oh, yeah, yeah. About 20 minutes. Um, that's one of the big ones, and, you know, there's there's a bunch of them around there, so. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> So Bob, Bob, what are you up to? You have anything to tell us? Um, well, I've been uh, working on a, a coffee table, and I actually oh, heard the pictures look good. You you were worried about it. I think it looks great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, um, we'll see how it turns out. So I've got the tabletop done, and it's kind of an interesting combination that I'll show off later. But um, I'm having a lot of trouble with the base. So I got the top good. I didn't have a, a good vision for what the base needs to be, and I've tried to come up with all these different types of wooden bases and you know lots of different variations and it just it wants metal so bad i can just see it yeah and so uh this morning i i pulled out the welder started practicing again um trying to see if i can just do like a square tube base you know something really simple and i don't know that i'm gonna have time with the schedule to get that uh you know welded base done but figured i'd try it just to see so Mm -hmm. doing that and then in the process of sanding this top which is so ridiculous. This is I'm, I'm getting old here. I hurt my back sanding, so, <laughs> so I'm like leaning over sanding this thing for 20 minutes, and then I stand up, and it was one of those just like ah, oh, you know, kind of things. <laughs> and so for the last week, I have been doubled over in back pain. And uh, yeah, so that's were sl- you throwing your body back and forth like with a longboard type of sanding, or were you using the palm sander? Oh, I was using a palm sander. It wasn't anything. Like I don't know. I think it was just one of those. I have to move in the wrong way, you know, at the wrong time, kind of things. All that so, running you've been doing. Well, no, that's the weird thing. I was sick two weeks ago. Didn't run that week, and then my back's been hurting for a week. And so today was the first time I've run in like two and a half weeks, which is kind of weird. So for me, anyway, all that to say, that slowed me down a little bit. Um, and haven't gotten a whole lot done, but you know, I got to finish that table up this weekend. So, um, yeah, I'll have that going on and hopefully get to practice my welding some more. That's something I really want to get into. If I can give you one tip to welding, I give a lot of people that start welding, just listen for that, that, you know, everyone says that that bacon sound, that like continuous sound, the minute you go too quickly, that sound will be interrupted. And then you know you're moving too quickly. So just slow down. Everyone thinks that the uh, a welder is like a hot glue gun where you could squirt it out as quick as hot glue. You got to go really slow. Hmm. Keep that little that little hot red puddle of melted metal. Keep it. Just keep it going and just move a, move left or right slowly as you go. I, I realized last night that I had never like I've done a little bit of welding in the past, but it's been so long. I've never really gotten a good feel for that speed, right, and for the angle yeah. that you need to hold it at, mm-hmm. and so. Went on YouTube last night and was looking at some of Chucky 2009, some of his yep. videos. Yep. And he has one that's very specific about like getting the right angle, getting the right feed speed, getting yep. the right movement speed and all that stuff. And he shows it the wrong way to do it, you know, too fast and too slow, and then shows the right way. Yeah. And so um, it was really helpful just to see the variations because then you could see the end product of this is what too slow looks like. So yeah, then, then when I do sputtery. it too slow, yeah. So when I do it too slow, I go, oh, okay, I'm going too slow. So yeah. if anybody is is uh, in the same place that I am trying to figure that out, that's a pretty good resource. Yeah. Go check out his video. Yeah. And then just another example, you brought you brought it up through what you said, Chucky said, I always go for extremes. Like I actually, if you see the Brompton sign video, I'm using a simplicity welder, which I've never used. I've used it one time before. That simplicity MIG welder. Not, I keep saying simplicity. It's actually called longevity. 
Longevity's given me a few welders, and they gave me that welder I used in the in the sign that I did for the for the Brompton Cafe. And I wasn't very used to the settings, so the way to figure out the settings is I go to extremes. I go really slow, and then I go really quick, and then I find somewhere in the middle. So that gives me an instant bearing of where I should need to be. Right. So you know, so I turn the the speed up really high, really slow, and then in the middle. And that's uh, I usually do that with a lot of things. Like I just test extremes. It's a quick way to to figure out hmm. where you need to be, you know. So you just you can see the full, you, see the full range really quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I use that. I apply that tech. I, I apply that concept to you know welding, of course, but also to other stuff. Hmm. You know, cutting, gluing, whatever. You know, if I, if there are extremes to be had, or you need to know where to be on a certain range, I try the each side of that range to see. Just Good to stuff. Get an understanding. Yeah. So that table is kind of my uh, my current thing. So, right on. So this week we're gonna we're addressing the concept of organization, organization in your shop or lack thereof. In my case, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, we're gonna discuss that a little bit. And <clears throat> we each one of us have our own styles, of course. And uh, my organization skills, basically, I just know my chaos. I just know where and what is my chaos. And Dave knows my chaos as well as me. So it's funny when like doing this distillery model, we both knew we had a drawer full of plumbing fittings. Of course, I bought a ton that I probably don't need all of the ones, but I knew we had a drawer. So we're trying, like, I'm like, it's vaguely, literally, we had this conversation. I'm like, I think it's on this corner of the room. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave went, I think it might be over here. I'm like, no, no, no. That was nine years ago. Now it's over here somewhere. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I swear we had that conversation. Anyway, it's in the drawer. I found the the, the drawer full of fittings. It's in the it's in one of the colored drawers in the uh, the tool cabinet that I made in a video many years, like about eight, two years ago. Um, so I just have this sort of chaos. This is as organized as I try to get. It just becomes difficult i i just it's i think it's a you know an inherited gene or a trait that you inherit through your parents and my dad is very organized so i sort of have his like slight organized skills my mother is not not the most organized person but she doesn't have a lot of stuff to keep organized so it's kind of easy for her um you know I, i'm like on the verge of hoarding so it's mm. kind of it's a little nerve-wracking for me but it's always one of those oh that's a great piece of metal i'm going to use that in a project let me just stick it here in the corner of the shop for eight years, and so you know if it if it doesn't get used, I throw it away. So do you have a do you have general areas for stuff that, or is it just like I stick it in the, the only hope you know opening I can find? I stick a lot of things in the only openings I could find in the in the cabinet. I have a series of cubby holes over my chop saw, so that just gets filled with wrapped cord wrapped tools. For instance, any cord that has any. Any tool that has a cord that gets wrapped around it gets jammed in the cubby holes over the table saw. And that like one has like vague sort of sanders in it, one has sort of vague cutter things in it. But we just literally just jam it with a space. Because I have a lot of people coming and going from my shop. I, I sub out some space to people. So when I don't want people to use some of these tools, I stick them into my I have a Home Depot cabinet, which you see it's the in, in some of my videos, there's a picture of a Hank Williams on it. So in that that door, I keep some of my more exclusive tools, like my metal shears, because a lot of people pick up metal shears and think they can cut anything. They think they can cut quarter-inch plate with it, and then they break the $75 cutting head. So I hide stuff like that from uh, some of the people that come and go in my shop. And uh, my my belt sander, I hide in there. So that I keep a lot of that stuff in the lock cabinet. 
But um, as far as like bits and pieces of screws, and I have these like series of drawers, and I kind of resorted to painting them colors because even though I have this one really bizarre thing I do, if I run out of drawers, I just mix in the drawer two things that are completely different. So I'll put like rubber bands and router bits because they're both different. They're never going to like mix together. So if I run out of room, so if I, if I know, oh, rubber bands are in the router bit drawer or I'll <laughs> huh. put like, you know, I'll put like, um, I can't even think of a good example. I'll put like plumbing fittings with light bulbs because they're never going to like, they won't mix. You understand what I'm saying? So that's occasionally. I don't do that that much anymore because I have a few more drawers to to put things in. But when I was running out of space for drawers, I'd put like, I put a glass cutter because I have a hundred glass cutters. I put glass cutters in a drawer with like tin snips. So I put like incongruous things together. Like I wouldn't put tin snips in the same drawer as pliers because right, too they're similar. too similar. Yeah. Like I wouldn't open that drawer and quickly make a decision to grab the right one. So um, I know that sounds a little bizarre, but that actually has worked for me in the past. Huh. Um, and then I started lately, I've been coloring, you see in some of my videos, you can see that I have this one set of drawers inside my closed door tool cabinet. I, I paint them colors. And the reason I paint them colors is because I, I don't, I can't commit to what's in that drawer. Like I can't say like, okay, this is only this thing. And then I make a little card and I stick it on there. I'm like the middle drawer, third one down. I think it's purple. That's like what I'll tell somebody else. So they, oh, that's, that's where the, the drill bits are in that drawer or the plumbing fittings are in this drawer. It's the white one on the left side. So by painting the face of drawers colors, that gives me like a visual memory to know that like what's in that drawer. Hmm. So yeah, I'm trying a couple of crazy different things. And then actually one of the, one of the projects I'm going to do for the, the make magazine book is a set of kind of old timey drawers, kind of like a card catalog. I built something similar for Johnny Walker client a few, a few months back. But this one's going to be exclusively for like my Bridgeport equipment, lots of end mills and drills and, you know, a couple of bigger hand tools like uh, calipers and stuff. So that's going to be a project. So that'll be good. That's going to be for my upstate shop, but I will build that probably in New York. So hmm. I guess the end of all my, my ramblings is I like drawers. It's a good way to organize small stuff. Now, what about like um, things that you burn through a lot? So like, you know, bits and things are things that you keep and you replace them as needed. But what about if you have a huge variation of different types of screws, nails, yeah, that's, you know. that's a good question. Actually, I, I have this bag. It's like a, I think it's called the parachute bag. I bought it at a flea market. A lot of people ask me where I got it. And it's got, it's got like these pie shapes in it. And each pie is a different size screw. So going from where the label is, is what I tell everybody. I'm like, starting at the label, that's an inch and a quarter. So if you go around the bag, starting from actually starting from one inch, inch and a quarter, inch and five eighths, two inch, three inch, and four inch. That's how mm. the bit. So when you see that parachute bag on my table, that's how I have just regular sheetrock screws organized. I used to have cans of them. And so since I got that, I only carry that now. Like if I'm going on a job, I'd say to Dave, grab the, the screw bag. And the screw bag has that many selections in it. So that's a great resource. If you guys could find that. Everyone thinks I made it, but I bought it at a garage sale for like two bucks. And it was in brand new condition. And I, I don't even know what the brand name is on it. I could probably put it in the show notes. Um, yeah. I, I actually do something really similar for those <clears throat> Um at Harbor Freight, they have like little, you know, lots of different plastic containers for little carrying things or whatever. I used to keep all of my screws in the box because the the size was on the outside of them, and I would stack the boxes up on a shelf. That way, I could look at them and say, you know, there's two inch. I need that. Grab the box. Um, and it got to where I was pulling them out so often, I would have to restack this stack all the time. Mm -hmm. 
So I got one of these, or two of these, Harbor Freight. It's about maybe 18 inches long, two feet long, something like that. And three inches deep, three inches, you know, uh, wide. And it's got segments in it. And so now I can dump one of those full boxes of sheetrock screws into each one of these segments and it fits yeah. it perfectly. So now I've got them kind of in in size order like you're talking about. I've got yeah. sheetrock screws in one of these from, you know, one inch up to, I don't know, whatever, two and a half inches. And then I have another one that is all um, other, you know, wood screws of different types, but still the same, you know, size graduation from one end to the other. And then it's funny that you, you were talking about the colors of the uh, drawers because I actually use colors of duct tape on the outside of these two things, these two containers, right. for the exact same purpose. So when they're stacked on the shelf, I can look at the one that has orange duct tape and I know that that's drywall screws. And I can grab right. that. And then, so, you know, I know ahead of time if I'm going to be making, if I need wood screws or if I need this screw or whatever. So I'll grab the whole container, take it to the bench, and then I've got all the variations of sizes right there. So it's basically the same thing that you're doing. But yeah. Um, I also try to segment out the wood screws, drywall screws. I want to do another one that's all just like bolts and you know, machine screws, things like that. Yeah. But I haven't gotten another container yet. You, you just reminded me of something. In my parachute bag, same thing I have, again, going from one all the way up to four inch screws. If I'm going on a job and I need washers, I'll throw a handful of washers into one of those things, one of those things. So now in the like one and a quarter inch screws, I know from a job we did years ago, I can dig to the bottom and there's about 20 washers at the bottom of that. Because <laughs> So washers and screws, so I wouldn't put like one inch screws and one and a quarter inch screws in the same thing, but things that are completely different, like screws and washers, I'll throw in the same thing. Or in the three inch screw bin, I know at the bottom of that, I have a couple of quarter inch screws. So like I said, that there, therein lies me like mixing things that are different. So I know it's, 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 it's not extremely practical. I should just get another parachute bag. But you know, when you make things in a snap decision, like I always do. It works for you, but if you get hit by a bus, whoever takes over your shop is going to be wondering what the heck is going on. <laughs> yeah, like why are the light bulbs with the plumbing? Yeah, exactly. And you know, when you, uh, I've been in the same place for so long, I I I know that, like I said, vaguely in this area, and it's it's crazy because I got to do a job, and I'm like, oh, I know this brass over there in that corner somewhere. I go, there's a sheet of brass that I put there four years ago, and mm. it, it's it's crazy, but it but it works. For me, I, I honestly, I see some beautiful shops and, you know, I, I kind of alluded to the people that have a lot of time to clean their shops. I, I wish my shop was that clean and I, I wish it was that organized. Um, it's just, it's just, I'm always seem like I'm just running from job to job to job. I just don't have time in between. Yeah. David, how do you organize your, your materials and your. Um, organization is a constant evolving struggle for me because. Yeah. Um, my shop isn't the most ergonomic, but it works for me. So my bench for me works in this one area of my shop better than any other area. Um, but where all my tools are hanging are nowhere near my bench. They're on the other side. And that kind of that kind of stinks. But I'm in basement and we already have problems with some of our basement walls with water leaking through. So I Ooh. absolutely refuse to drill any holes into our walls <laughs> to hang stuff. So I have to be careful on where I where I can hang things. So all my tools are hanging on the wall on the opposite side. So, you know, that's that's one struggle that I have. And another thing that I struggle with mentally is there's this battle between organization 
and the look and feel of my shop. So I, when I go in my shop, I want it to have a certain feel to it because I want to be inspired when I go in there. So I don't like seeing tools out that don't, I don't like seeing things on the wall. I don't like seeing things on a table open. I'd rather them be hidden. So I'm kind I'm like, all of my tool stands have spaces below them where I've built shelves. And now I'm building doors for them so I can hide that. Cause I don't want to see these tools that aren't being used. I want to be, I don't want to be distracted from clutter. So, um, yeah, organization is definitely a struggle between what I can do in my shop and the look and feel of, of my shop too. And as far as screws and stuff go, I don't keep that many screws around. I, I don't have a lot of bulk materials that I, I, I kind of buy materials as I need them for a job. Um, so I do have a bunch of dry raw screws, but they're in the original boxes that they came and, and they're stacked on a, on a shelf. I don't, when I tear something apart or I throw something away, I don't keep all the screws. I, uh, I live by the philosophy of um, reduce and simplify. If I don't need something, it's got to go because I don't have a lot of space and I don't want, I don't want that clutter. Yeah, I need to learn that. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. For my little screws, I I found in the street one day, I guess it's kind of like a tackle box or like a makeup kit where you open it up and it it turns into like three tiers on either side of the open middle of the box. It's, uh, I found it in the street one day, somebody just put it in a garbage can in the city, New York City. You know, if you have the patience, you could just shop from the street and never spend any money. Um, so I took it to the shop and now I have all my small screws in there. So typically if I need like a quarter inch screw or a half inch screw, I'll go buy a whole box, which comes like maybe 40 or 50 at the hardware store. And it's a small like match size box, a little bigger. And then I find a space in that, that, uh, caboodle, that caboodle box. Yeah. That, so I have that box. So, So when Dave and I both know that we need like small screws, we break out that box and there's probably... 50 different things to choose from in there. I have brass screws in there. You know, anytime I end up with like a couple of little leftovers in this, and in there, there's one little drawer that's just a junk spot where the whole thing is just filled with like random twos and three collections of different size and shape screws. But I try and keep that organized. In fact, last night I organized that a little bit because we end up taking the boxes out and then they just sit around the shop until they get put back. And, you know, every once in a while, we just have to have like a major put away time. At the end of, say, for, for instance, I'm working on this model this distillery model. There's tools everywhere. Dave's doing some of the copper work, so he's got the snips out. He's trying a couple of these. So there's like five sets of snips out. Um, you know, I'm constantly grabbing for the best hammer for, to get a look and feel or, or, or a certain technique and a feel. So all the hammers end up coming out and there's seven different screw guns in the shop. They're all over the place. So, you know, every couple of hours we have to just like stop down and just like kind of knoll the place. Yeah, I, I, I might have talked about knolling. Tom Sachs is an artist who, talk, who does this thing where he says, knolling, it's just organizing everything in front of you. So like the yeah. chaos doesn't overwhelm you uh, visually and emotionally. So every once in a while, we just like, we knoll everything and like organize the whole place. Knoll yeah. with, a, and, with an N or with a K? K. With a K. It's a great, it's a great video called Always Be Knolling by Tom Sachs. It's uh, the first thing, it's a, my first exposure to Tom Sachs. I thought it was a, a great video. It's really fun. It's really well done. Adam Savage is really big on on knolling as well. He, yeah, yeah well, they're big fans of, of each other. <clears throat> they they mm. did, that, uh, you know, talk room together. 
Yeah, sure. Now, I don't want you to tell me what your caboodle looks like because now I just have this image of you with like this hot pink and purple makeup <laughs> kit with Hello Kitty on the side. And I, I, want, I want to keep that, so don't tell me what it looks like. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> no. It looks like a like an aluminum airframe. It's like a cheap like aluminum. Oh, that's like, no good. Like, oh, you ruined like, it. Like rounded corners. And the reason I call it a makeup kit is because my friend, who's a makeup artist, uh, a, a woman friend of mine, she has one. And when I saw it, I'm like, oh, that's just like the one I found in the street a couple weeks ago. Well, so. I'm hanging on to my visual. <laughs> I enjoy that better. Yeah, I definitely want more drawers in my shop, um, but. As I've said before, I don't like making shop furniture. And so the the easier way to go is, is shelves. But things get pushed in the back and you never see it or you forget it that's there or it's really hard to get to. So I I definitely need to do more drawers in, in my shop. Cubbies help too. I mean, I, I've taken a lot of scrap wood and turned them into cubbies, even in my shop upstate, which no one's really seen too much of. You see it in the Brompton sign video. But I have a, a series of cubbies and cubbies are great because you could just dedicate a cubby to like different tins of screws, different, you know, this cubby is all dedicated to glues. This cubby's dedicated to my circular saw and some of its accoutrements like the, the wrenches and the extra blades. So having cubbies is good too. So you make a series of shells and then you put like 12 inch dividers every 12 inches. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that, that helps organizing too. I mean, I, I actually, I got the cubby concept from my dad when we were kids. He was always making like series of cubbies to like put up like if we had like an empty space in the ceiling he'd make like a an eight foot long 12 by 12 by 12 so it's be 12 inches by 12 inches by eight feet long and then you break it into eight cubbies i I think i I would like to do the cubby thing as well that's a great idea um but i I want a dedicated spot for everything like my drill goes here and this goes here um and i'm not very good at that but that's something I'm, i'm hoping to work on in the future well, one of the big things that I've found, I mean, this this topic is like, this is me, right? Because I'm, I'm the one that will spend two hours planning out how things should be in the shop rather than actually <laughs> doing it. So, so I spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff. And um, my the thing that I've come down to, having a relatively small room with all my stuff in it, and my interests change on a regular basis. So I'm constantly like, I'm into this thing, I need to have this present, and then I get bored with that and I have to move to this thing, and I need to have that present. So modularity has become like the biggest organization tip for me, you know, like just as a general idea is not trying to find a specific place for the drill. Like you're saying, I actually do have specific places for a lot of stuff, but the point being like, I need to make everything flexible enough that I can, I can resort to what my interest is at any, you know, given time. And I've talked about before, like the, you know, only ha- only having shelves of a certain depth so you don't stack things in front of each other. That's a great and point. Yeah. Part of doing that is because, you know, if if the thing that's right in front of me is not interesting anymore, I know that there's nothing behind it. So I can move that thing and put what's interesting right in that spot, you know. So I spend a lot of time trying to keep things flexible. I do a lot of uh, shared surfaces. So anytime that I can take like, you know, the, the uh, surface of the miter saw, if that can be parallel with the surface of a uh, disc sander or the surface of whatever else, then you share those surfaces and you don't have to have dedicated long runs for just the miter saw or whatever. So, and then part of that being flexible is like, if I have a big shared surface for all those things and something breaks or something needs to change, you know, I need to remove that disc sander 
I just have to fit the new thing into that spot. And then my surface, my shared area is still intact, you know, and things can kind of slide through as I need them. So another thing that, um, <laughs> this is going to sound so nerdy, but I, I can <laughs> accept that. So <clears throat> Lego organization has played a really big part in how I organize my shop. Um, I've, I've always been into Legos. I have a ton of Legos and I don't mean my kids' Legos. Like my kids have their Legos and I have my <laughs> Legos. Okay. I'm not joking <laughs> at all. So I have a lot of these different containers of Legos that I've had since I was a kid. You know, I still buy sets on occasion because I like, I just like the, the whole thing. So when I go to, a few years ago, I wanted to actually like pull them all out, build something really cool. And I realized that I had so many that it was impossible to find anything I was looking for. So, like a good nerd, I went online and I looked for Lego organization methods. So there's basically two camps here. I'm, this is going somewhere. Bear with, bear with me. <laughs> I'm following. I, you this got, is going somewhere. You have my attention. I'm right. I'm keeping notes. So there's there's basically two camps when you go onto Pinterest or whatever and search for that. Some people, especially people with kids, separate by color. And for a kid, that makes sense because a kid wants to make a purple dragon, right? And so they want purple stuff. They don't care about dragon parts. They want purple stuff. And so that organization makes sense there because it's it's broken up by a common visual feature. The other way, which is something that more people who are actual builder, like Lego builders, adult builders do, is by function. And that's the way I went. So when I organized mine, I broke down blocks in, in, in rectangular blocks into a category or in a, in a couple boxes, things with slopes to a couple boxes, things that extend to a couple boxes, things that move to a couple boxes. See what I mean? Yeah. And so when you start looking at like your shop in that same idea, you're not saying like, I want all the gray screws on that wall because that doesn't help. You don't care what color a screw is. You want right. function. And so when I organize all my consumables and even my wood in the shop, it's it's less about the properties of it and more about the function of it. And I also try to, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to say this. I, I think I try to turn that organization into a gradient so that it's not, it's not like in this corner there's pallet wood and then that's a little block. And then the next thing is screws and that's a block. And then the next thing is sheet metal or whatever. It's a gradient in that, I'll start with pallet wood in one corner, and next to that is hardwoods. You know, next to that is sheet goods. Next to that is sheet metal. Next to that is metal strips. See what I mean? So there's like a a property gradient. So that way, that's why I was asking you, Jimmy, about like if you if you have specific places for stuff or if they're grouped yeah. by type. Because for me, I know that okay, I need I need a strip of hardwood. Well, I know in, I can look at that gradient across the room and say. It's at least in this area, you know. It's at that's I, I do. I totally dig what you're saying. Like you know, things like things get get grouped together, yeah, or close together. Like you, yeah, like you're going to put metal, brass, and aluminum in the same section as as steel and and yeah. you know mesh, or perforated sheets, glass, and plastic and clear plexi goes in one section. I mean, I do have that. I kind of like as far as my big sheet goods go, I have a couple of corner bins where I just have all long extruded pieces of steel, aluminum, and brass. And then when it comes to like fragile sheet goods, they go on this one section of the shop. Mm -hmm. And when I say fragile, like real glass and, 
you know, plexiglass and plexiglass that can't be scratched because it's expensive, you know, because if you leave it out and it's just going to get dragged around and dragged across the wall. And then I have areas where I just have plywood. Just doesn't matter, you know, all different types of plywood. And uh, I have areas where I keep plywood that's really expensive plywood, you know, stuff that's like, you know, I don't know, $150 a sheet or Ooh. bamboo, bamboo plywood, you know. Wow. So, and that's so someone doesn't accidentally grab it and, you know, make a shelf for the bathroom with it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll write my name on the edge. I mean, I don't, I share my shop with just like a few other people, but you never know. Every once in a while, everyone's like, I left a piece of ePay right here. I'm like, oh yeah, I just cut it up and used it on the edge of my beer box. <laughs> 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 I go, yeah, that's Ryan. Ryan's uh, one of the guys that fabricates in my shop. He's a good guy. He's an architect. And, uh, Right after I cut up the ePay for my my box, I said, I hope this wasn't Ryan's piece of wood. And two days later, he goes, did you see my piece of ePay I left right there? I was like, yeah, it's all cut up. It's on there. <laughs> so you got to write your name on this stuff, dude. Mm. Yeah, that, that would be pretty tough about sharing a shop. I'm sure a makerspace is probably like similar, Yeah, you know, where you have multiple people using the same stuff, but bringing their own materials. Yeah. It's got to be kind of a tough organization ta- task. Well, that's why I tell people that come and go from my shop. I said, you know, when I see them working for an hours on four hours on something important, I was like, do yourself a favor and write your name on that and hide it somewhere because it'll get sucked up into the machine and spit out into the scrap inbox before you know it. So, now if you two had much bigger shops, let's just say twice as big, would your maybe even bigger? Would your organization change at all, or would you stay with the same philosophies? I think mine would definitely get better for sure because I'd have more room in between stuff because right now like I got so many things that jam close together I'm like oh let me just slide that between that cabinet and the wall oh let me just put that there mm-hmm. yeah I would definitely have much even T- Taylor has, has done my girlfriend has done a tremendous job designing the building that we want to make and uh, she's actually taken the time to lay out where we would put things to improve our organization hmm. yeah so I mean again that's part of the plan of that future project is is improving the organization and we have a section where there's just metal work a section where there's just sort of like tinkering work and a section where there's woodwork when i say tinkering like jewelry and like the brassy stuff that i play with and you know the machinist section yeah yeah i think i'm kind of the same way if anything i would have more separation because right now you know i have my shops on one side of a wall my office is on the other side and in the office is all the computer stuff music stuff um and then like tech you know, like all my electronics components are in the organization system that I have in here and then 3D printer. But I would like to have all that. I'd like to have like an electronics area that was like a lab protected from the wood stuff, you know. And so I think I would keep the same organization ideas, but just make more separation, make it more obvious. I'd really love to get materials and tools really far away from each other. Personally, and I could see why someone wouldn't want that, but I, I would really like to have like a, the production area totally separate from storage, so that one is kind of an action-oriented area, and one is more of a just you know just storage. I think they could, I think they'd both be more productive if they didn't o- inter overlap as much. But that's just me. Yeah. Well, I keep I have I have the luxury of having like this like kind of separate room. And I kept my CNC and computer in there. Hmm. So that actually, it's good too, because, you know, if, if I have things to do, I could focus and 
concentrate on the, the files that I need to set up because, you know, it's, it does take a, a certain level of concentration to make sure you're setting up things correctly. So I do that away from everything else. And that's also just so the computer doesn't get loaded with dust. How would but yours, the, sorry, I would say, David, how would yours change if you? I, I think I would make it a little bit more ergonomic. So if I, when I eventually move into a different space, I can have my tool wall near my bench where it's supposed to be. I would have, um, and I would have, I think I would have different stations. Like this is, you know, the, the table saw, bandsaw, workbench is all right here. And, you know, maybe my future shop, there's going to be maybe more metalwork. So there'll be stations over there. Um, I mean, I'm pretty lucky with the size that I have now. It's just really hard to be organized when I don't want to drill into the concrete walls and, my biggest space issue is actually filming because the tripod of a camera, the footprint of that is so huge and it's just, there's just no room to put it anywhere. So um, I would still have everything closed off with doors or drawers just so, cause I don't want to see all those distractions. And I, and I would, I think I would still want everything to have its place where it belongs, but I think I would just make my shop more ergonomic if I had more space. David, uh, on your walls, if you wanted to commit to, say, for instance, putting up like a four by eight sheet of plywood, have you considered that just like screwing a four by eight sheet of plywood to the wall? Then this way you only have to worry about, say, four or maybe five anchors. And then you could take that whole four by eight sheet of plywood and, and lay it out as like a battle board of tools. Yeah. And not, not stick it in the wall. I, I have thought about it. I kind of want, and that's a great idea. I would want to make the walls removable because I need to get back. Um, like once a year, we're 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 painting our basement walls with that oh, yeah. water sealer because we could, they they turn they're white and that you can see like the yellow yeah. and seeping through, and so I need to be able to remove those walls to get to them. Make sure there's no moisture sitting yeah. on them, and to just you know the yearly rehab we have to do. You know what? Uh, I, to that to that thought, some of the shelves in my shop, you don't really see them too much. They're actually, I guess they're right behind the radial arms, so that I never use. Both of those are on really antique old foundation walls. It's just stacked stone. My building's got to be made like in the 1890s maybe. And the, and the foundation is literally stacked stone. And I, I could not find a legitimate spot to put screws in. So what I ended up doing is I took these two shelves and I basically put them on stilts that it kicked away from the wall. So they want to fall over, but they want to fall over into the wall. Mm -hmm. So it has these kind of shallow stilts that are nailed to them that kind of stick out a little bit at the bottom. Yeah. I think Ikea, one of these companies, makes like a set of shelves that do that. It looks like a ladder leaning on the wall. And so I kind of, I did that with huh. the set of shelves. So it's, it has like the weight, the more weight I put on it, the more it wants to stay against the walls. That's yeah. the point I'm making. So, I mean, that's a consideration too. So you just basically make these battle boards on crutches that lean on the wall. So you could move them if you needed to. Like you could also idea. put hangers on the back of the sheet of plywood like he's talking about. So you do the anchors, they're permanent. And then just put a hanger on the back of the plywood that you could lift yep. it off when you go to paint. And mm -hmm. that would give you an offset from the wall in case the moisture did come through too. All great yep. ideas. Yeah. yeah. Cool. We're helping people. That's what we're, doing. we're helping yeah. David. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> if you guys want to come over in about two weeks and actually help. Uh, no, no, that's all right. No. Oh, all right. Well, that all being said, I definitely need. Dave and I have been talking about like, for my birthday. My girlfriend got me a new chop saw, so I, I need to. 
I need to reorganize that whole area just to make it fit. I got it in there today temporarily, but we need to reorganize quite a few things. So once work dies down and I get back from Louisville, we're going to tear apart a couple sections and, and rebuild them. So make them out of Legos. <laughs> that would be that would be fun <laughs> <laughs> and really expensive. <laughs> so this was a good discussion for me. It gets my my creative energy flowing in the right cool. direction. Thank you guys. Well, I'm sure a lot of people have other really good ideas. I mean, everybody's shop is different. Everybody's into different things. So if you guys are listening and you want to give us some of your organization ideas, share them with other people. Um, that would be awesome. So you can do that on Twitter at Making It Podcast or at makingitpodcast.com. You can leave, you know, comments under the the post there. Or there's lots of way to get in touch with us on Facebook, all that stuff. So let us know how you organize. I would at least love to hear it. It sounds like it would be helpful for all three of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I guess that's it for t- today. Um, where can we find out about everybody, David? You can find me at drunkenwoodworker.com, and that's where that, that will link out to all my social media and blog and videos and all that. So drunkenwoodworker.com. Uh, you could get me at jimmyderesta.com. My good, dear friend, uh, their studio is Jaeger Sloan, Y-A-G-E-R-S-L-O-A-N.com. They are working on my website. Doug and Sloan are doing a bang-up job, and I just wanted to thank them. They're redoing my site, tweaking it, and we're going to add the store very soon. Awesome. awesome. So shout out to them. Great. Well, all my stuff's at ILikeToMakeStuff.com. Don't forget, if you're going to be in the California area, guys, um, in the middle of next month, all three of us are going to be out there at Maker Fair. And we're currently talking about doing some sort of a talk on stage or something. We don't have all the details yet. But anyway, we'll be out at the fair. We'd love to meet you guys. So if you're out there, come up and say hi. Find us and all that. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Later on. Thank you all.